it's the first 21 were good. This is going to be amazing. But Jessica, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, welcome back to Toothpaste, the podcast. Um, it's We've had a little, well, a couple of weeks now. We both, yeah. We both took a trip and we're back. And we're here with, with uh, Mark Ostash. We did it. Ostash? Just like mustache. We, just Mark like mustache. mustache. I said stash. Yeah. Stash. Man, mustache. Ostash. Yes. <laughs> That's tricky. Um, so I was just asking Mark um, what his title is, what he does for a living. And he said... Let's start the podcast, and I'll tell you about it. Let's so, rock and roll, yeah. Um, so I know a little bit about him. I know he has a podcast, and yeah, our kids first, go to school with your kids. Our first That's guest it. with the podcast, The Courage to Connect. Yeah. And then I'm not sure if the camera can see it, but Mark wrote a book in 2018, The Courage to Connect as well. Can I keep this book? That's for you, man. Oh, my gosh. It's, okay. it's 20, 2020. Oh. 2020. 2020 is when I wrote it. I birthed it in the pandemic and it was a... It was oh, like, I thought the podcast said 2018. You... Uh, the book came out 2020. Okay. It was like uh, the third trimester. I was like, you know, two weeks overdue with this with this baby <laughs> I was trying to get out yeah. of my, my head. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it came out at a perfect time. It's, um, it's about creating meaningful connections, both online and offline. Okay. And as you uh, all know that uh, we've been navigating the hybrid world for the last two years, so... The book has been a great conduit to just give a message of encouragement to how we create better connections, whether you're on Zoom or Teams or, you know, whether you're back in the office or on site or at a cafe or, you know, and then in line with yourself. So it's okay. been cool. It's yeah. Been, it's been a That's good exciting. ride. Yeah. I like that you use the word courage too, because you talk about that. Well, the first and only podcast I listened to yeah. about the definition of courage. Yeah. And how um, it means from, from the heart, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So in its original definition, the word courage comes from the Latin word core, okay. which means heart. So the intentional way to show courage is to share your heart or tell your story. So it's a bit of a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a far cry from what we know courage is today, which is typically like, hey, that person's got a lot of courage. They stepped into a burning building to save a, a, a child or a cat or a dog. They're courageous. But truthfully, just sharing your story, being vulnerable, putting yourself out there is a great example of modeling courage. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, it does take a lot of courage to do that. Open up, right? yeah. Yeah. So scary. on your podcast, you called yourself a, and I, I love this part, you said yeah. you're a digital wellness expert, and then you said, but take the word expert loosely. Yes. You were so, that's like such a real response to it. So. Yeah. What is a digital wellness expert? Well, first of all, my PR uh, consultant calls me an expert. I don't tend to refer to myself <laughs> as an expert. But nevertheless, I think uh, with any sort of uh, experience comes wisdom. And 15 years ago, I found myself checking my ex-girlfriend's MySpace page and becoming depressed. And Tell uh, us about yeah, that. Yeah, so, you know, you guys remember MySpace? Yeah, back, uh, back Tom. Yeah, yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom. <laughs> So yeah, in college, went to Albion College, a small liberal arts school, studied psychology and neuroscience, played football, had a great experience there, but was noticing that what I did online, like uh, buy things on eBay with student loan money or, uh, you know, you know, go on social media and impulsively check things at the time social media was like Twitter and MySpace, but just noticing how that impacted my mood and my emotions and then began kind of diving deeper into how does the internet impact kind of the psychology of technology. So that journey led to uh, bootstrapping a startup that allowed me to um, kind of help people better manage their time online with a plugin. So you could set a timer uh, and your time would go off on your computer and it said, hey, Vince, time to get off Facebook. You could uh, block Facebook. And then if you try to access it while it's blocked, we'd show you a positive quote, image or video. 
And if you're like, I desperately need to get on, you clicked unblock and let's say Jessica was your digital wellness accountability partner, she'd get an email that says Vince wants to unblock Facebook and she could allow or deny your access back on. So, so this was, is a company that you started. It, yeah, so it was okay. about it was that about 12, so cool. 12 years ago and okay. it was a great experience and then um, uh, we also were tracking your mood so you could tell us how certain websites made you feel and the theory was that like we would crunch big data to demonstrate like the emotional state of any region that used the site, right? So uh, unfortunately, uh, like many other uh, you know technology startups, I had the business model of freemium so it was just <laughs> yeah. free so then when i met my now <laughs> wife she's like you're bleeding cash into a business that's going nowhere uh you should just you know let it dissolve and start advocating for what you believe in so uh like a wise uh young 28 year old at the time i took her advice and kind of let that company fizzle out, but it gave me a bunch of credibility into the space of internet addiction and some of the thought leaders and professors throughout the country that were beginning to ask the question, how does psychology or how does technology impact our mind, body, and spirit? I've never heard the term internet addiction before. Mm. It's definitely true. Yeah. So you were 18 when you started the company and then did it for 10 years? I was, uh, I was 25 when I started the company. Okay. And then, uh, you know, um, you know, once the technology kind of, it actually became obsolete because it was a plugin for your browser. Then the smartphone craze hit and it was like, Oh, I can't keep up with it. I didn't know what I didn't know. So as a, uh, you know, a non-technical person founding a technical company and bootstrapping it, I probably should have sought investment and those sorts of things. But you live and learn, yeah. uh, as we know in business. Uh, but more importantly, I kind of uh, opened my wings, so to speak, and realized that speaking, advocating, encouraging, and writing was actually more effortless to me than uh, managing technology requirement, requirements and you know keeping you know. You'd yep. have to constantly change. Oh, it yeah. was just, yeah, yeah. You had, we, we had it for Safari, Firefox, Chrome. But nevertheless, the point is, is that, you know, with experience comes, uh, you know, the, through those trials and tribulations, you figure out where you're at. So back to the question, um, my digital wellness expertise came from a uh, very expensive mistake yeah. in a technology product, but it actually led me to the work I'm doing now. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah. how old are you when you realize, when you look at your girlfriend's MySpace, it makes you sad? Uh, I was like, I was 19 or 20. That's very I, I have a question about that too. Yeah. Did you ever try and contact her or was it just looking at the MySpace? Well, we were still in college. Okay. And, oh no, it was a little after college. Because so, I wonder you know, if people I was like make like things 22. up in their head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you guys know, like, the, you know, the, the, the temptation, technology is a tool, right? These phones are cold blooded devices. We are warm blooded human beings. Yeah. But the temptation of technology is to impulsively check and secretly kind of, fall into the gutter of social media. And we do that when we're feeling down, when we're, you know, maybe having too many drinks or when we're letting the uh, instability of our emotion and mood uh, be uh, influenced by what we do and view online. So like many others, I was noticing that for this example, that MySpace wasn't helping out. And you, you, you hear, like I heard Mark Zuckerberger in an interview once say that he can predict uh, both affairs and who your next boyfriend or girlfriend is going to be just by the clicks and things you do. Oh my God. Uh, really? Right. Yeah. That's wow. kind of scary. It is. It's true though. But you're pretty intuitive mm-hmm. at 18, 19 to know that makes you feel bad. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like God speaks to me through mental impressions and my faith has been another part of my journey along the way. And I bring it up because I think it's important to know that 
anything that's been kind of created has once been envisioned. And when you envision it, then you can put a pen to paper, you can get people behind your, your vision, and then you can create things through manifestation of effort and energy, right? Any business owner knows those things. Any person knows these things. So uh, when I had this interest in, hey, everybody, the internet's impacting your emotion and mood, people were like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I think there was some like, I'm grateful for the, for the insight back then. And I was truthfully, this was like 2004. Okay. So I was about 20, 20 years old, but nevertheless, uh, you know, when you continue to dwell and, you know, kind of, uh, spend time on a thought or an idea, and then you see it kind of, kind of come to fruition. So about six or seven years ago, that kind of drum I was beating on, hey, be careful what you do and view online, started to really materialize in mainstream culture. And that's led me to the work I'm doing now, which I'm super grateful for, which is essentially, uh, you know, I'm a digital wellness expert, right? If you want to call Mm -hmm. it that. But I'm really just trying to encourage people to be mindful of how the digital calories that they consume impact how they feel. Digital calories. Oh my gosh. Great statement. I I love that. I have the chills. Yeah. Um, so when you're working at your first position, I guess yeah. the job that you left to start this, was it your first real job or do you have other? Yeah. So, um, interesting kind of tidbit. I've always had an entrepreneurial kind of, uh, uh, default wiring. So when I was in high school, I, uh, started doing power washing and deck sealing through kind of a mentor cousin. Uh, he, you know, was a Michigan grad, you know, businessman had all of these like resources, had a lot of money really essentially. And, um, he kind of, uh, gave me the opportunity to run this business when I was 18 that allowed me to go door to door to like local, you know, the Metro Detroit area and just say, Hey, do you need your power, your deck power washed and sealed? I share that because that gave me that such a interesting experience on like growing a business and building a business. Uh, and you come up with the things like, Hey, you know, we're doing your neighbor's deck tomorrow when you really aren't, right. uh, but you're just trying to yeah, exactly. generate some, bucks. Oh, you know, we're really busy. Let me check the schedule. Oh, we can fit you in tomorrow. Oh, right now. <laughs> deposit check by chance. So, uh, you know, so anyways, uh, that wiring, that opportunity gave me a chance to get into like what it's like to work for myself. Then I went to college, studied psychology and neuroscience and then graduated with about $100,000 of student loan debt and went to massage therapy school. Because so you're my, also a massage uh, therapist. I, I was like, you know what? I knew that workplace wellness was going to be a thing. And at the time, I was really interested in uh, Eastern medicine and traditional Chinese medicine. So I was like, hey, I'm going to study acupuncture and massage and oriental medicine. But I didn't really have a, a, career, a clear career path to do that. So then I went to massage school. And then while in massage school, my uh, best friend since grade school started a tech company out of uh, Ann Arbor. So uh, he was doing all these incredible things. We were roommates. I was going to massage therapy school with a bunch of like retirees and like school moms and just people. (laughs) I was the misfit. You know, I had this like advanced education. I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, He's starting this tech company. And I was like, hey, like, I think I want to work with you guys. So I was the third person of like a founding team of, uh, I was the liberal arts person. They were all like aeronautical engineers and computer scientists. So we went from three people to 40 people in about five years through some foundation dollars in Detroit. And we were able to kind of create um, technology systems that sparked economic development through 
uh, internships in the state of Michigan and uh, entrepreneurship. So matching kind of like an eHarmony for interns and employers or for resources and entrepreneurs. So wow. great experience, but it gave me a chance to understand even further how technology systems are built and how even some of that like um, like habitual nature of how we engineer things like the like button or, you know, the YouTube, you know, or pre-roll or the Netflix, this episode plays in six seconds, so you better right. stay seated. Yeah. So all these things, I just started to kind of deepen myself in the psychology of technology. And then from there, I know this is a long-winded listener, so I long-winded answer, so I appreciate the listeners tracking me. <laughs> yeah, they are. So after, after that, then um, we had to go through some layoffs at work because uh, we ran out of dollars. And uh, I had to lay off like 20 of my closest friends that I had recruited. I was the HR person kind of operator. And then I was on paternity leave with our firstborn, Joby. Uh, and it was uh, two weeks into my three-week paternity leave. And my best friend who had started the company called me and had to lay me off. Oh, oh so this is the job you ended up leaving to go. Okay, Close, close. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but secretly I had been there for nine years. I felt the fatigue of like the ups and downs of investment dollars and pivoting and business models not panning out. So I found myself like kind of relieved, but also uh, grateful for the experience. So I wanted to go out on my own and continue kind of advocating for digital wellness and these sorts of things, but uh, it wasn't God's timing yet. So my friend had a, 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 a brand strategy studio called Skidmore Studio in Detroit. Great powerhouse. They used to do illustrations for the autos in the 60s and 70s. Hmm. So if you picked up a Sunday newspaper and you saw a Cadillac, Skidmore had illustrated it. So I spent five years there. And during that five years, I got a chance to meet a whole bunch of cool companies and clients in Metro Detroit and beyond. But the owner of that studio uh, passed away suddenly. He was 54, died of a heart attack. It was just really sad. That led to just kind of like uh, unstable grounds. And then my friend who kind of took over ownership, uh, we, you know, kind of grew the business together for the next couple of years. And then I came to him and I said, hey, listen, I'm ready to go out on my own. I want to do this keynote speaking and writing full time. He knew my passion. He said, you know what? Let's develop an exit strategy for the next four months. I said, great. Went home, told my wife. She was like, great. And then a week later, we lost our biggest client. And I was part of another layoff of six other people. Oh, my God. So I'm laid off. Yeah. My father-in-law's in hospice. And and like I'm just trying to figure out, like, how do I, how do I go? So, you know, how do I do this? So Senya, my wife, she says... Listen, we have about 80 days of money in the bank. So I believe in you. Go. <laughs> and that was uh, November of 2019. When you look back on it, because I'm listening to your story and I think about you know my journey to owning my own business. When you look back, it's like everything makes sense. Those things happened because it was time for you to start your own business, obviously, right? Yeah. You got laid off twice. It's like every time you tried to go work for someone else, it didn't work out because yep. you were supposed to do your own business. Yep. But when you're in it, <laughs> it feels horrible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know. But, but part of your brain is like, okay, you know, I know something's happening. I know what I'm supposed to do. And then you just have to call it and say, it's time. I mm-hmm. got to go do it. Mm-hmm. Did so- you feel like that, though? Like. I did. I, I, I'll tell you what, I heard just this morning at a coffee meeting, uh, a guy that's breathing some life into me. He said, uh, breakthrough is just on the other side of obedience. 
And I think when you have a vision and you are kind of, or that side hustle and you're being obedient to following that calling, you will eventually see breakthrough. And I feel like, uh, you know, the breakthrough that I've had in the last two years through the demand of uh, how do we foster connection in a hybrid world through digital wellness and the positioning that I hold in that expertise yeah. uh, has been uh, uh, a breakthrough. But only through a story like this, you'd know that it's been a 15 year journey. Always. Yeah. Hanging on this yeah. drum of like, hey, you know, did yeah. you know? The overnight. So, what is it the overnight success takes on the average years. 15 to 20 years? But what I'm listening, I'm hearing is that, Mark, over 15 years, you're honing your craft. Yes. And nothing, no experience was wasted. Right. Layoffs, right. hardship, and then... But in hindsight, that's very clear, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're but, in it, it's like... But you have this not. vision, and you're building this thing for 15 years, and then you get laid off. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question would be, because I actually have a similar experience, when Senya said... We have 80 days of money left. What's your next thought? Mm. Well, I've, and she said, I believe in you. Yeah. So that was what I really heard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I heard I believe in you. And then I thought, well, you know what? Mark, move just a little bit closer. Yeah. To I, I, I've heard a little bit. You know, we've, um, you know, it's so weird. Uh, and again, I, faith, I can't hide from my faith, but like this idea of like your daily bread, right? Or your portion, right? When you think about like, when you look back at like most people live month to month. Right. And when you think about like, hey, 80 days is more than most people. And even when we got down to a few days, it's like, hey, we've kids aren't missing meals. We're Mm -hmm. paying our bills, you know, and we've got our health. So um, I did feel a sense of like uh, readiness through that preparation that existed. But then two months into my 80 days, you know, 90 days into my 80 days, the pandemic hit. So all of my in-person events canceled. And then I did have a bit of an oh, shoot moment where I was like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm like, should I bust out the old power washing equipment? You know, like, right. am I going to go back to the <laughs> yeah. drawing board? And then this thing called Zoom happened and I found myself saying, okay, I think I can do that. You adapted. I, yeah, I adapted. Yeah. And I had a whole bunch of like fumbling on like, uh, you know, internet connectivity and lighting and all these things. And the basement was cold and I run cold by, by default. So I'm like cold in my basement trying to present to people that I don't know where, to, where, where do I look? How does my lighting, you know, is the dog going to stop barking? Uh, but then, you know, you figure it out, you invest in some equipment and then I got a bunch of reps. What I do you mean, mean reps? Like, in the last two years, I've probably done over 200 virtual events. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to I was going to ask you who who hires you to to speak. So it's been uh, primarily businesses, okay. and it's ranged from small startups and organizations in Detroit. Uh, and then in the last year, it's really led to some like Fortune 100 brands. So okay. we should throw an event for Dennis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So are they hiring you because they're worried? technology is negatively affecting their employees? So they, it's less about that and more about um, when you think about how culture is created in, the, in a workplace, it has been completely turned upside down in the last two years. So when you've, there's companies that have seen crazy growth, 30%, 40%. Like in an antisocial way? Yeah, like that, how, do you, okay. how do you onboard uh, a team of new hires and model culture when they never set foot in a When they in don't see each other, yeah. Right? So people are really trying to figure out the future of work and social connectivity and creating a sense of alignment and belonging. There's a gap in how to do that. So currently I'm using uh, my voice as a vehicle to say, hey, let's just try out some ways to model 
um, connectivity regardless of where you're working. So an example of that has been an exercise called If You Really Knew Me. It happens to be the title of the second book I'm working on that's due out this spring. And it goes like this. Uh, it's essentially a, a, an exercise to model vulnerability. So uh, Vince and Jessica and all the wonderful listeners listening to the Toothpaste <laughs> podcast, if you really knew me, uh, you would know that um, the five and seven-year-old that we have bring my wife and I to the center of joy and chaos every day. If you really knew me, you'd know that we are mentoring a 13-year-old boy and considering adoption. If you really knew me, you'd know that uh, I've got a brother with special needs who's in his 30s who can uh, drive and work but will always need a guardian. Uh, if you really knew me, you'd know that I'm a huge Kenny G fan, the saxophone player. Don't judge. <laughs> Just no, we're, we're not judging. Google breathless. Okay. Oh, we're going to. If you really knew me, you'd know that uh, my dad is high risk with mental and physical health issues. So every time he calls, which is usually around bedtime for the kids, I wonder, is this the call he needs me to take him to the doctors or the ER? Uh, if you really knew me, you would know that I surprised my wife, Sonia, when we got married and sang her my wedding vows, and I don't sing outside of the shower or the car. <laughs> and lastly, if you really knew me, you'd know that I smile often on the outside, but I don't really feel that way on the inside most days. So, wow. So that's one way that I've had a chance yeah. to uh, invite CEOs to new hires to global events to bring vulnerability into a virtual environment. What do they call that when you get together? I just, I can't think of the word where you're in a meeting and they're like, we're going to do a exercise. Ice breaker. An icebreaker. An yeah, icebreaker. Yeah, Thank kind of, you. Yeah. So is that what that is? It's like that on steroids, but okay. it's really trying to model uh, empathy. You have to think about yourself. And yeah. 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 You guys want to test it out? Vince, you want to go? I mean, on the spot. On the spot. Well, my heart is like bracing now. Yeah. Just, you can do one or two, three things. Go ahead. Go first. Okay. If you really knew me, you'd know that the time between between the time I open my eyes in the morning and the time I have a cup of coffee, I like to be a very short interval. That's so like good. less than a minute. So <laughs> yeah, good. so good. I feel like I'm copying you, but if you really knew me, I also drink coffee all day. And although I tell my patients to stain their teeth, I was gonna say this is a yeah. dental practice, uh, yeah. people. What is going on? Um, oh, uh, if you really knew me, I don't floss. Mm. If you really knew me, I don't floss. <laughs> don't if you floss. really knew me, I floss. I floss twice a day. You're lying. I, no, I'm not. I do. I love flossing. Yeah. Uh, if you really knew me, I only um, at home. I only drink sparkling water. Mm. Perrier. No, I make it Soda Stream. Oh my But I never gosh. drink flat water at home. So if you really knew me, when I drive home and I miss my kids, I listen to the Disney soundtrack on Spotify. <laughs> Do you know about Bruno by chance? Oh, I've, yeah. I've, I don't talk about Just him. Just don't talk about him. Whatever right. you do, don't talk about him. <laughs> um, that kind of like makes me feel like it's, a good, like yeah. this is like we're connecting. I know yes, that's your whole thing, yes, but. Right. Yes. Did, did you think of that on your own? You know, no, and I don't okay. think any idea is really thought of on your own, right? It's just usually a uh, an interpretation of somebody else's idea. So I have a great friend named Stephanie Freeth. She's an uh, incredible consultant in the field of conscious leadership. And conscious leadership essentially targets uh, ways to reduce drama in the workplace. And you do that through your three centers of intelligence, your head intelligence, your heart intelligence, and your gut intelligence. So she teaches people how to become more conscious as leaders. Well, that program, which is out of Chicago, uh, uses the If You really, really Knew Me exercise as a way to 
uh, kind of develop a sense of presencing to, hey, if you really knew me, how can I fully reveal myself? Because when we conceal what it is we're feeling or seeing, we have stress, trauma in the body, dysfunction in the heart, and all these things. So when you can speak with radical candor by by revealing what it is as opposed to concealing, it's like the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. Where yeah. Like, oh my gosh, Vince, he doesn't even know. We're, we're struggling on the front desk. Yeah. We can't get enough people scheduled, you know, like whatever it is. Just speak with candor and reveal what it is you're feeling and, and trust that you have an environment and a culture that allows you to do that. Yeah. Well, we do we do that after the podcast sometimes. We sit and have a conversation after, and that's like where all the, you know, before and after, where all right. the stuff comes out. Yeah. So Do you find there's right. a line between the radical candor and oversharing? I think there's part of like, uh, you know, gossip and complaining are like worthless uh, uses of our voice. Uh, but drama usually has characteristics of gossip and uh, complaining. And they're like, they're oftentimes the oxygen in the atmosphere of toxic cultures. And they can come in mild, moderate, or extreme. So um, what you were just sharing, Jessica, more of the debrief after the meeting, that's probably not what I was referencing. It was more of the, now that the doors close and the leaders are gone, let's really tell them, let's really talk about what we feel. Okay. So when you're fully revealed, you are speaking unarguably which means that nobody can argue with how you feel because they're your feelings. Right. But don't you think there's a fear like in that, in that instance, you know, you have a staff and you have a, a, a boss or, you know, a leader, they're afraid to say, because you say, tell me, you know, don't hold back. And then you say it or they say it. And it's like somebody gets mad. Yeah. So they're, they're afraid. Uh, Brene Brown, who does some incredible yeah. research on empathy and vulnerability, she basically shows how organizations that are more empathetic are 50% more healthy from a revenue standpoint. They have like an 80% increase in retention. They have a 90% increase in productivity for people that want to work for an empathetic employer. So the... Um, the myth is that you are uh, opening yourself up for, uh, you know, uh, judgment, termination, these mm-hmm. sorts of things. If you are vulnerable in the workplace, I personally believe that that is a myth. So advocating for ways like if you really knew me or another fun way, and you can do this virtually. We play it at, with the kids at the table. It's called a rosebud thorn. So you share what's your rose? What are you grateful for? What's your bud? What's on the bloom? What's on the horizon that's going to blossom up? And then your thorn, what's that thing that's bugging you? So if the if you really knew me is kind of too spicy for you and mm-hmm. your personality or your team, test out rosebud thorn, right? And see if you can't get that personal component of a transactional world. Because these back-to-back-to-back Zoom or Teams meetings or these the corporate culture is changing. So making space and margin for relational connectivity is going to be a skill set that we need to, to well, develop. We talked about this before. When you say when you say what your goal is out loud to mm-hmm. a group of people, it has a way of materializing because other people want to help you achieve yes. that goal. Yes. Do, do What's that about the dream manager? Were yeah. you worried on your top? Yeah, we goals? talked about that and our yeah. last, you know, whatever. But but it is true because if you say your goal is to, you know, own a say in my instance, own yeah. a commercial building. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can help you with that, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to help him achieve that goal. Yes. So that's, yeah. So I, when you, ha- like- so like you said, some employees fear if they did criticize, not mine, but if they did criticize their boss, 
Yeah. Of course not termination. Yeah, of course not mine. <laughs> termination or even the reprimanded. What is the best way to show your employees it's okay to open up? The best attribute for leaders across all leadership books, principles, platforms, philosophies is to model the way, which is basically saying put put your actions where your where your vision and values are. Put them on a wall is one thing. Putting them mm. into action is the other. So if you can model the way, whether it's, hey, listen, you've got an accumulation of time off, take it. I'm going to take mine. And you know what? When I'm off, don't call me because I'm on vacation. <laughs> so yeah. you too, when you're on vacation, you know, so encouraging ways to avoid burnout, overwhelm, these things that seem to be part of the culture we work and live in, uh, they require a um, reimagination on how we are viewing and doing things. And I think the pandemic has provided a new platform for rhythms and routines for work. And it was really fumbly and strange. And I'm sure, you know, like those that had little kids at home trying to work at home and the divorce and domestic violence. And I need to share a funny story. Can I? I, Yeah. So we're at, so, all right. So we got uh, two preschoolers uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. And my wife and I are both entrepreneurs and we're like, finding ourselves at home with these two preschoolers. We're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. right? So like I'm doing this project with my daughter, construction project, you know, all the, uh, you know, the glue, you know, all the things, right? Uh, my son's doing this <laughs> construction project and son, my wife and I had a moment of, let's just call it healthy friction earlier. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so later on, fast forward to a dinner that night, we're all around the dinner table, just kind of like we're at around this table now. And, you know, we're just like at that exhausted place of parents with young kids, at, you know, so at hard. home. It's so hard. Yeah. And like, you're just like past this, you know, past the chicken, past this. My, my daughter, she was three at the time and she looked me dead in the eyes. Uh, she said, dad, pass me the effing orange. <laughs> and I said. Did she actually use that word? She used the effing. Oh I looked gosh. at my wife and I was like, what did she do? <laughs> So I ignore it, and she goes, Dad, and she was saying it with this like little innocence, pass me the F and orange. And I thought, okay, she said it. So we had a conversation. We unpacked it. Did she know what she was saying? She had no <laughs> clue what she was saying. I have no clue where yeah. she heard that word. Right. I don't, I mean, from TV, of course. It must have been from TV. Yeah. The, the darn TV From the in-laws, of course. Yeah, of course. It's from music. Yes, from that right. neighbor. That, yeah. So again, you, you find yourself in a space where it's like, um, you know, the pain is real, right? And the pain has come in different shapes and sizes for many of us. But I think one thing the last two years has taught us across the globe is that we all have some level of pain. So being empathetic and understanding of the pain we've experienced, whether it's actual legitimate loss of human beings and people and family members, or whether it's the loss of your favorite coffee house that you no longer go to because they closed down because they couldn't sustain that's forcing us to rethink our priorities and shape what it is that's uh, most important to us. So, yeah. Do you find that with this increase in social media and you talked about toxic work culture, is there an increase in toxic work culture? Is it getting worse to workplaces or is it getting better? It's interesting. I've noticed this like power shift. And again, I've had a chance to work with uh, Salesforce, DT energy, capital one, these big brands that are like, uh, forward that are trying to set the expectations like with both government and with like, you know, policy on what it looks like to work in a hybrid culture. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think the power has shifted. So what I mean by that is 
you have leaders and business owners and commercial real estate owners saying like, how do we get people back in the office to infuse economic growth in the restaurants and bars and places that we work in to create this like vibration. But then you have this like uh, expectation that the employees can decide. Do I come back to work or do I not? Do I come in Monday and Friday or Mm -hmm. do I stay home? So it's created a confusion of like, who's calling the shots? And again, this isn't a blanketed like scenario for all industries because some industries like healthcare and uh, law enforcement haven't shut down or dentist office. You can't get your teeth cleaned over Zoom. If you can figure that out, you will become very, very rich. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd love to, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know. You know, so uh, it's like the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the robot that you can control? The Da Vinci that like does surgery. Oh yeah. 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 Like, can you do that for teeth clean? Are we inventing something? They right have a robot that places dental implants on people. Okay. They have mobile dentists that drive around in a yeah. Winnebago. Yeah. yeah. yeah you you want to get your teeth cleaned by someone in a unmarked I mean, <laughs> black van. <laughs> they park in your driveway. It's like half taco stand, half teeth yeah. cleaning. It's, yeah. Clean your teeth, get some <laughs> chorizo <laughs> yeah, after yeah, and yes. you're all set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So, anyways, the 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 the, uh, the end uh, the concluding kind of point of that that last topic is like um, toxic cultures, right? Like, I think if you remove like the our cultures toxic right now, I think cultures right now are in flux, and when you have change, you open up the door for fear. Do you and think they're in? Fear, I'm sorry have, you know, to interrupt, yeah, but yeah, do you please. think they're in flux because? people know there's a problem because we're talking about it. We're not the only ones talking about this. Um, Well, what's the problem? The problem is people are, you know, they're looking at their phones and not each other. They're out of touch. Okay. That we've lost connection. So, you know, I think the fact that, that you're addressing it and that companies are hiring you to speak on it means that there's going to be a swing back into a more connected that's Place. the hope, right? I think I think the you know you think of Maslow's law hierarchy of needs, right? You know, you I can't remember them, so you know somebody Google them, right? The but, top is self actualization, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And the bottom's like food, right? Like exactly, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you throw internet somewhere in between, <laughs> it covers the whole. Wait, pyramid. the bottom's food, basic needs, okay. food, shelter, okay. water. Yeah, Got then it. it's like psych- psychological needs, love from other people, then self actualization. Right. Okay, right, That's but, like the pinnacle. But, but but regardless. Um, the motivators to go to the workplace are no longer there. So we've demonstrated, and again, this is primarily geared at a remote audience, but if you have figured out and proven that you can be productive and impactful and accountable remote, why, why go in? So that's the question that sometimes being is being asked even with like big conglomerates like rocket mortgage, right? Who employ 16,000 people here in the Metro Detroit area. Um, do so, all their employees feel that way? I, I don't think so. And I don't want to, I don't want to over index, you okay. know, you know th- this point, but what I'm seeing with the clients I'm working with is there is both trepidation to return to work for legitimate fears. Then there is, uh, like a challenging mindset to say, why? Well, I'm going to, you're, I'm going to give you two hours of my life and a commute and with some fluffy meetings that disrupt my actual productivity so, um, again, taking some of the pessimism out of this argument, it's to say, like, how do you be intentional about why you're calling your team into the office? 
whether it's an event, whether it's a celebration, whether you're, you're almost motivating to come in there to hang out and be socially connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. I think you people are. though are yeah. missing that. A lot of my patients say, but that's not a bad thing. They wish they could go back part-time. Right. All like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. four day weekend. Cause they miss the human connection. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're lonely at home. Yeah, it is. It gets lonely. It's, it's better. And it's, but it's hard though. If you have a choice, you'll usually choose, I think to stay home because it's, it's work and effort to go in. Like I have an, yes. I have an office meeting every Wednesday at my real estate office. I go like once a month. I yeah. should go every week, but every time I go, I'm really happy. I'm there. You yeah. know, I always talk to people and make connections. I make deals. Right. But, um, but a lot of, you know, yesterday I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. Right. Right. <laughs> and I didn't go, but, yeah. um, but I'm happy when I, but it's more, it's more social. And I think, but there's nothing wrong with a company saying we have a mandatory meeting once a week. It's yeah. in person and we just need you here to be with the other people. Yeah. Right. And socialize. So are these companies asking you what are ways we can motivate our employees to come back? Yeah. That, that's been kind of like hot off the press okay. topics. And, and I have, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a term that I keep using called flex with purpose. So how can you demonstrate a flexible hybrid model, but being purposeful on how you flex? So um, don't just um, tell people they need to come in for the sake of FaceTime. Have them come in for intentional reasons or set the expectations where you give them uh, a piece of the power where it's like, hey, come in any two days a week. You pick it, Right. Or like um, also be flexing with purpose as a leader or manager. If you have somebody on your team that has like a legitimate case to never come in, talk to them about it, get Mm -hmm. in front of it and then create uh, expectations for that person. Then communicate it to your team on why it is you're flexing with purpose. So I think, I do think the pendulum will eventually kind of right size on like this hybrid model, but remote is here to stay. You think so? You think we're never going back? No, 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 no. I think that, that, that like, for example, Allstate Insurance, right? They have huge headquarters in uh, Chicago and they have a gigantic commercial real estate global footprint. They have, uh, and, and somebody back checked these stats, but they have committed to closing or dissolving like 65% of their commercial real estate footprint because their agents, their, uh, you know, their main kind of way into the, uh, industry can do all their jobs remote. So why have Mm -hmm. an overhead cost of commercial real estate? So you see other organizations and even Ford's redoing their headquarters and they are designing their headquarters for a, uh, hybrid model, meaning like the days of, uh, permanent fixed offices for everyone are no longer. So you'll go to what's called like a, um, like they're called like motels. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, you it's come, like those salons. Yeah, exactly. You do them for salons. You check yeah, in. Salons. Yeah. 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 So, so you're starting to see infrastructure shift on the literal footprint of the workplace. But then you're also seeing organizations that are at a war for talent that are poaching highly qualified and skilled people that you've trained on your company's dollars because that competitor says you want to come work for the same price, fully remote. Cause our, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like, you yeah. can like live in New York, right. Work in Florida and make twice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's a really, really wow. interesting Wow. So that, that makes more competitive to get good employees because mm-hmm. now location is no yeah. longer a restriction. And it's going to exactly. change the commercial real estate scene. It already is. Yeah. You know? We're already yeah. seeing that. But you know, it's funny you say that because I had a um, business meeting recently with someone to do, to buy a building 
and do meeting rooms in yeah. the building with like a central waiting area, you know, like a little coffee area, nice restrooms and have it be like you could have a meeting with your staff and rent like the room, you know, for a day, like, like a VRBO, mm-hmm. yeah. like you said. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, I think people would, would use that and yes. they are, it sounds like. Yes. That's, yeah. that's yeah. really interesting. So with these higher competitive ways of getting better employees, is that putting the pressure back on companies to find more incentives to like keep good employees? Is yes. that part of what you're this consulting to? This is part too? of that power, power position Because you mentioned like shift. 10 minutes ago, the power shifting back towards the employees. Yes. They're the ones that have more influence today on the why we should come to work. Okay. As opposed to like even the 15 years I spent driving to downtown Detroit at the companies I'd worked for prior, it's like you wouldn't mm-hmm. even like you know, working remote for a day was like required three layers of permission. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's and a like, note from your mom. Do you, yeah, do yeah you exactly. Miss, do you miss going into an office ever? You know, I, I, it's weird because I'm at a different stage and phase in my life. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I can get more done in four hours than I could in 14 at the office. Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean like I, I'm, I am, uh, wired for this. So like I'm so much prefer being in person for a podcast than over mm-hmm. zoom right like the vibe that we've had this whole time has been real it's right? different it's different yeah so uh but at the same time like driving the kids to school every day mm-hmm. you know um grabbing lunch at home walking the dogs you know having you know quiet time with my wife in the smack dab middle of the day because i'm not in the office right calling her distracted wondering what time I'll be home at and telling her I'm going to leave and then not leaving for an hour later and then getting stuck in traffic on 75. Mm-hmm. And then my pet's heads are falling off. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb and dumber reference right, to all those. Right. Uh, got it. Yeah, the bird got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are yeah. you, are you an introvert or extrovert? What do you think? Extrovert. Jessica? I think introvert. Yes. Really? Yeah. No, really? Cause I'm an introvert and I think everyone's just like me. Um, <laughs> the reason I say that because, we're very similar in terms of like loving freedom. That's yes. how our kids go to the same yeah, school. Yeah. But like you said, you put such a priority on your freedom with throughout the day. And like, yes. you like working maybe by yourself in your basement and focusing. Yes. I just thought you may be more interested and you're uh, introverted, but you think you're more extroverted. I definitely think that when I need to do deep work, I'm introverted. Okay. And like I work at a cafe here in Birmingham called Svenska cafe. It's a little Swedish mm-hmm. cafe. Where's that? 15. It's 15. Yeah. I should pay them office rent because I'm there <laughs> every day. And even though it's a social setting, I have my headphones in cause I've never I'm there been in there. Work. It's right it's by my house. So good. Yeah. Really Go get a cup of Svenska. Okay. Um, but I think I'm an extrovert. All the personality assessments model that I'm an ENFJ I'm an Enneagram type two, which is kind of like the nurture. Um, oh, you are a number two. I am a number two. I'm the one that's like Eeyore, like a number yeah. seven. It's funny though, yeah, because yeah. you say that you're introverted, but I, I disagree. I, I've said that before. Yeah. Um, so I, since I've known you, I, I but I love this, but if there's like yeah. seven people in the room, yeah, I, I don't enjoy the conversation because we can't get deep in the conversation. Right. 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 Well, then you have to break off into smaller. Yeah. yeah. Smaller and nobody groups. wants to break off with me because I have smelly right. breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't floss and you drink too much coffee. Right. Yeah. Right. Way too much gingivitis. Yeah. Gingivitis. <laughs> but no, I need, I need time alone. Like, uh, I've got a morning oh, routine and this is what I tell people back to like an easy thing to v- look at your digital wellness is that. If you look at the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes of your day as sacred, uh, consider your brain a sponge. So whatever you're dipping your mind into in those first few minutes is going to be what you ring out for the rest of the morning. So for me, I get into the Word of God. I study devotionals. 
Uh, I don't do it every day because some days the kids are in bed before I even got out. But when I do, I'm intentional about that. You do time. it in the morning? I do it in the morning. Okay. I'll sit down. I get a cup of lemon water before I get to my tea. I, I do lemon water. Tell us how many liquid you drink. I before. know. I Sorry, Vince. I, I heard that on the podcast. By the way, I pee every 20 minutes, so I write that into my contract. Like, <laughs> You're doing good. We're 40 I do. minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know. So what time do you wake up Yeah, then? so uh, you know, we get up around 6. Okay. You know, 6 o'clock. Uh, I usually get up, read uh, Jesus Calling for Kids, uh, snap it, send it to a few folks using kind of like ways to use technology to encourage others to just feel mm-hmm. good and, you know, get into other things that are good. Write in my journal. I've been writing for 10 years. Another habit that Senya. No way. Uh, yeah, I just write, you know, a page a day and it's usually like. What, what do you write about? I, I usually start by saying like, dear God or dear father. I'm scared to write because I don't want anyone to read it. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's been a uh, like this whole idea of pursuing a vision with kind of a, like, a you know, a laser focus, I think requires alone time and writing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that those two things allow the uh, idea to kind of come out and manifest. And, and it could be an idea. It could be something you're working through. could be uh, an issue that you're like pondering about that you just feel stuck on that's bringing you down. But writing has been that mechanism for me to release. And you do that too, right? I do. Do you journal after devotional or when do you? I got to read something. I'm going to be vulnerable. Here. Yeah, absolutely. So this yeah. is the first entry in my uh, journal from 2022. And Sen and I usually write down our goals. Sen is my wife's name. And uh, so this is a really cool, it's called a growth notebook. But so I'm, so we're on Christmas break, holiday break. It's January 1st. You get that fire. I'm like, I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to write in my journal. Um, but it was also like 15 days with the kids at home. And I was about <laughs> to like lose my bloody right. mind. So again, in the spirit of like, I, I happen to write, again, this is my lens through faith. But I, I usually address my journal entries like, Dear Father, dear God, right? So this is January 1st, 2022. It was in a dark spot, just kind of as a heads up. Dear Father, thank you for giving me the family I have. I love them all very much. I write to you today because lately my mind has been focused on things that are not pleasing to you. I feel like I don't know how to parent the kids. I feel lost most days and resort to overeating and checking my phone as a way to distract myself from their behaviors. I feel that no one listens to me. I feel disrespected. I often feel like a failure as a father. In most days, my father calls me, which emphasizes his mental health issues and brings me more sadness. And Sen is quick to tell me what I'm doing wrong, which doesn't help. So God, please help. Love your son, Mark. And then I felt the spirit of God pour out of my pen and respond with this. Dear son, you're welcome. I handpicked them just for you. When I knitted you in your mother's womb, I already had them in mind. Take it easy on yourself. Being a father is the most important and hardest role I have made next to being a mother. Most days, my children, including you, don't listen to me. They kick, scream, and walk with fear, but I still love them just the same. My blood covers your failure. The cross was for you, Mark. I died so you could live in freedom. Guided by my word and my promises and my principles. Bind them to your heart like I have bound you to mine. Love always, your Heavenly Father. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share that. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to go there today. No, wow. I think a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us wake up January 1st and on, yeah. on like Facebook we'll post like, I'm going to work out. We're really thinking is like, holy shit, like 
what happened? What's right. the next move? Am I doing this right? Yeah. What, ha- what happened in my life? Yeah. Sometimes, right? I'm going like, to tear up here. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is, and Margaret, for sharing this, I feel grateful. A lot of it is like, we have so much, like, geez, I'm sorry. We have so much self-doubt. And it's like, you can move forward. Yeah. But I think what's nice to know is that, like, there's other humans out there that also share your self-doubt. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You'll get through it. Right. Wow. Thank you for reading that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you yeah. guys for letting me share that. Yeah, it's, uh, but I think it goes back to, like, writing is a habit that is physical and tangible and literal. And when we're pretty much on our devices more and more each day, we lose the opportunity to go into deep thought and introspection. And it's in that reflection that we can actually listen to what it is our spirit is telling us to do and pursue. It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. Yeah. I, um, I kept a journal when I, um, when I was going through my divorce and, um, I, I didn't know what to do for a little while. And in reading back on the journal, I'm telling myself what to do on every single page. Mm. But you don't know because yeah, right. you're just writing. But I did do that. My someone told me to do that, and I did. So, but it was very sad to to reread yeah, it because yeah, it's yeah. like I don't want to. You don't want to go back to that place. We live it, yeah. But um, but it was like so obvious. You know, every it, like every page, it's like do this, right? Do this, do yeah. It. And it was like you know, and I I listened to myself, but still, you don't know in the moment, right? But so. then you can look back, and that's one of the habits I learned from a great author named Mark Batterson is he spends his final week of the year rereading his journal from the year. So you get to go back and you get to see all of the stuff that you pr- worried about and realize that most of it never panned out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's both an attestment to God's faithfulness as well as your inability to have rational thoughts. Well, about you're worrying your own, about things yeah, that haven't happened yet. All consumed. Exactly. Yeah. It's just not, it's, it's not, um, it's not helpful. No. And your digital devices keep you in a state of perpetual distraction from the things you need to focus on most. So that's why, um, you know, it's a love-hate relationship with our devices, right? It's like you love them because they're an incredible tool and they provide a lot of uh, a wealth of content, but then they're this pitfall of time mm-hmm. that takes away from what it is most often that requires our time, like healing relationships uh, building confidence or pursuing goals or hobbies or habits that are like bring you joy. So you're not just working and yelling at the kids or working and drinking or working Mm -hmm. and working. Um, so yeah, we just need to really create, it's called margin, right? There's a great book called margin written by Richard Swenson that talks about restoring time, energy, emotional, and financial freedom. And he basically, he basically mm-hmm. says that you have your load, which is your commitments and responsibilities, minus your capacity equals margin. So most of us are over. Wait, so, sorry, start yeah, that yeah. again. So your load, okay? So okay. You look at all of your commitments and responsibilities. Okay. I'm a worker. I'm a, you know, I'm a volunteer. I'm a parent. I'm all these things. And then I've got uh, the list of the calendars blocked out to satisfy those things. So that's my load then my capacity is, do I have the energy, time, resources, uh, you know, strength to do the things I've committed to, which is why we need to start saying no to more things. But most often when you look at your load and look at your capacity, you are at a negative Mm -hmm. place. So when you withdraw in your bank account, when you don't have money, what happens? You get 
penalized, then you get overdraft. Yeah. Well, when we overdraft and we have lack of margin, we get sick, we get stressed, we get overwhelmed, we get chronic fatigue syndrome, we get neuromuscular issues. We have these things that are like mysterious in modern medicine that don't afford us to say, where's your margin? Mm-hmm. Where's your rest? Yeah. You know? So does social media increase the load? I think or so. Or reduce your capability? Yeah, the I mental, think so. The mental load. Yeah, yeah. like your bandwidth. Yes, the digital yeah. load. Well, yes. it makes you think about things that you wouldn't normally think about, like your ex-girlfriend. And what, yes, you know, or the, like, hey, oh my God, I forgot to wish my third cousin happy birthday right. who I haven't seen in five years, and now I'm thinking about it at 11 o'clock <laughs> And everybody wrote on the timeline. I didn't write on the timeline. Oh my yeah. gosh, I didn't get back to all the texts. Yeah. yeah. Or Voxer. You guys know Voxer? No. no. All right, Voxer is like... I'm not even going to get into Voxer. Sure. But it's just another way to communicate that leaves you feeling digitally uh, like underdrafted by the end of the day. You're like, Voxer. oh my gosh, I didn't get back to my Voxers. It's video text messaging. I'm not doing that. Okay. Don't even do it. <laughs> Don't even do look that. it up. Delete Strike that from, that from, from, from yeah. the uh, podcast. Um, I do have, so I noticeably feel better with zero social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some, right? I, yeah, but when I don't do it, I yeah. feel less anxious me too and then there's this thing in my brain where i'll go on social media and i'll see like the top 10 dentists in the world yes and i'm like oh my god their work is so much better than mine yes and then like an hour later i'm like sad for some reason yes because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm comparing myself to like yes. some guy in new york who maybe his photos are edited right. my brain doesn't know that or he bought them well, he, the he definitely yeah. flosses more than you do That's yeah exa- sure. exactly yeah. we're gonna talk about that later. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, i never had a cavity before i know um, and i and i've like tons of dental work but so um <laughs> i don't think your brain knows your brain just feels sad an hour later yes. you don't know yeah. why yes exactly yeah, yeah. well, well it's it, like you get that high when you yeah you know, there's like a um you know, it's endorphin. Yeah. Right? Dopamine. Yeah. Dopamine. I'm sorry. Yeah. A dopamine yeah. rush. Serotonin. Which I think is an endorphin. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that word came from somewhere. But um, yeah. but you do get that rush. It's like when you eat a, something really sugary and then you get yes. the drop after. Exactly. Yeah. So you get all the likes, you know, you get all the comments. Oh, you look great. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, you know, yeah. she, looks, she looks better. Yeah. Or, or where do the comments go? It's the second day. Or how come they haven't texted me? Or, you know, it's like. Yeah. Or she didn't post a picture. I had a girlfriend recently, one of my best friends told me she was upset because she went to a function and the girl that she was hanging out with didn't post pictures of them together on Facebook. And I was like, she's just like, come on. That was, you shouldn't, you know, maybe it wasn't a good picture of her. Yeah. I don't post pictures of myself that I don't look good in personally. But your friends will post pictures of you that don't look good of you. Right. Oh, trust yeah. me. Then you're like, text them, take down that picture. Right. And they're like, picture, the they're like, one. no, I look amazing. I'm like, just yeah. cut me out. Like, yeah. you know. So, so real quick, this yeah, quick yeah. side story. So, yeah. Really good friend of mine, Kyle. We had him on the podcast. We just got a bad. He's a handsome guy. He's in really good shape. We got a bad angle of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, he we, didn't like it. We still posted it for the <laughs> yeah. for the thumbnail. Um. So we're at the 54 minute mark. Yeah. Um. Oh, Mark. Mark. How yeah, funny yeah, is that? Yeah. Um, we're at the mark. Mark. We like to. <laughs> End the podcast with top three. Yes. I think a good one for you is maybe top three pieces of advice you would give to younger Mark. Oh, okay. What do you think? That's great. That's I, good, love yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Like how young? 20? It doesn't matter. Okay. Just younger than, because you're 40. Knowing, knowing what, mm-hmm. are you 40? Knowing 40. what you know now. Yeah. Talk to your 25 year old self. Okay. Uh, I would say... 
keep going would be would be something I'd share is just keep going. Uh, and then the other thing I'd say is, boy, you obsess a lot. My wife calls it brain lock. I get locked and loaded on something. Um, we put an offer on a house randomly the other day. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Oh, we didn't get it, did you get, oh. but I was obsessed. Yeah. Yes. And when I used to go to therapy for like, like getting locked and loaded, um, it's a beautiful thing when it's when I'm locked and loaded on something that's uh, creative or birthing something new, right? right. But when it's negative or, or it brings me sadness or it's out of my control. Um, so it's just like I would tell myself what my 90-year-old mentor tells me now, which is we can control everything except two things, the weather and how our days go. Yeah. <laughs> but you can control everything else. So Mark, stop. Mark, 25-year-old Mark, stop trying to control so much. It's yeah. exhausting. And the third thing that I'd say is um, you're going to meet a woman that's going to bring you to your faith and she's going to challenge the junk out of you, but uh, hold her hand and just keep going with the ride. That's so good. That's great. I love it. Good job with that. Mm. I got to tell you, Mark, I know the word authentic, in my opinion, is used way too much. Um, But when I say it now, you're just like an authentic, good person. And the connection we all got during this podcast is priceless. Seriously. I think you did so much just for me and Jessica in this hour. And I know your whole passion is connecting and the courage to connect. And you just showed us in one hour how you can connect with us and what it does to people. Hmm. So you're beating this drum for 15 years to connect, to connect, to connect. And you're doing it. Well, thank you. So I know in my job, I really like it to get feedback. I'm doing good work. You're doing good work. Thank you. And we, we feel yeah. it in our soul. We really do. So thank you, Mark, thank for coming. You. Yeah. This has been an awesome time. I, I appreciate really, it. We, we, we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Do you want to close with anything? Um, no. I mean, thank you so much for coming on. It was, it was enlightening. It was a great podcast. Yeah. yeah oh. well, I was just going to say. And where can people find yeah, you? So yeah. So I'm going yeah. to give you guys a link. You can put in your show notes, your website. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that's listening to this is going to get a free ebook download of Courage to Connect. Awesome. So I'll give you a link. Just check that out in the show notes. Um, yeah. And then you can, you can reach me at hello at Mark Ostash, M-A-R-K-O-S-T-A-C-H.com. Uh, questions, follow-up, feedback. You want to share your favorite Kenny G clip or talk to me about your journey <laughs> love to. Yeah. or whatever it is, reach out. I'm an open book. And we always ask one more question. Yeah. Can we have you back on? Absolutely. Look at this yeah. guy. I love Absolutely. this guy. We could yeah. talk a few more times. Yeah. Oh this my gosh. Great. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Mark. I love you guys. All right. Have Thank a good you. night. Thank you. Thank you.